don't be afraid of people not liking your work like because their feedback could give you something valuable even if it's you know it, it could be like i just don't particularly like this thing or you know accept all constructive criticism people are either going to love it or hate it you know and that's just mm -hmm. the the way it is you know it's it's not everyone's going to love the work um and to just be okay with that you're you're going to have to move forward and don't let it discourage you from creating the work that you feel passionate about because it could really you know be the foundation of a new movement you know who knows This is the Beware How Show, mystic philosophy made practical. There are many paths up the mountain, and we're just pointing at a few of them. I'm Bob Peck, speaking with Scott Stanley, Ryan Paget, and Melina Kiriaki. We are conscious creatives and formerly closeted mystics trying to unpack the inaccessible. According to the mystics, the truth cannot be spoken, but we'll try to talk about it anyway. Welcome to the Beware How Show. Bob Peck and Ryan Padgett on today with our amazing guests. Today is Sunday, February 28th, and we have Marcella and Jair, two co-founders of the Unknown Collective. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks. So glad, glad to have to you. Here. Absolutely, absolutely. A little more context on your group. Um, Unknown Collective is a collective of activists creating social change through art. We work to uplift underrepresented and marginalized communities from the people who brought you too poor for canopy. We're here to start a revolution. Our mission is to connect the community to emerging art. Every donation goes towards our work to uplift underrepresented and marginalized communities. Unknown Collective is all on Instagram. They are underscore unknown collective. And Marcella is at Marcella is painting. Jair is at ink color. So glad to have you guys excited to jump in. Thanks. Thank you. Totally. Before we um, talk about the group and what you guys are trying to accomplish in Austin and uh, in the larger community, tell us a bit about yourselves. Painting is such an interesting trade and career and passion. Um, you know, how did you guys find it and uh, commit to it? Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll go first. Um, yeah. I've been painting uh, for a very long time, about 20 years. Um, I started studying uh, the figure at 15 uh, through my high school, through like an advanced placement program that was free to students. Um, I think without that program, I wouldn't be the artist I am today. Um, so I pretty much learned everything I know about the human body uh, when I was in high school. And uh, I knew right away that I wasn't going to be able to afford going to art school. Most art schools are like 60K, 100K. Um, so I just, I just knew that that wasn't going to be my path. Um, and I just decided from there that I was going to teach myself how to paint. Um, and I've been painting ever since. Um, I did take a brief break from it in my 20s uh, when I really wasn't sure like what I wanted in life and who I was. Um, but as soon as I came down to Austin, I really, you know, put my mind to wanting to be a full-time artist. And I started to figure out my style and my voice in about 2018 and uh, did a lot of exploration in 2019. Um, I tried different types of art, like figurative abstraction, 
I did more like dark illustration that was very much inspired by uh, Japanese illustration. I even tried 3D animation. Like I pretty much like when I moved here, I just tried everything that I could, but um, I always went back to painting. Painting was always my number one. It was always my passion. Um, so that's pretty much where I am today. <laughs> You absolutely are. I've been so enjoying your work on Instagram. Um, it's primarily the human body. It's primarily female figures and uh, very vivid colors. It's I'm no art critic, but it is uh, <laughs> it's very much like it gives me impressionist vibes, which I'm a huge fan of that movement and, um, you know, kind of mixing realism and impressionism. Um, but just beautiful. Ab Marcella's painting. Check her out. Um, Thank you so much. She's unreal. How about you, Jair? Uh, well, I haven't been painting as long as Marcella. And every time I think about it, I just kick myself in the butt. <laughs> uh, I've been painting for right now, I think it is three years, I believe. And all started when I moved here to Austin to uh, I moved here to work with a big company in tech. And after a couple months, I realized that my my routine was just wake up, go to work, come home, cook, go to sleep, wake up, go work. And then I kept going and going in the same routine. And then I, I figured I, I needed to do something. I needed to do something else. So I actually first wanted to play the trumpet and I decided myself to teach myself uh, how to play the trumpet and uh, it was a disaster <laughs> I do not have a time for music <laughs> or anything and and to the happiness of my roommate at the time I decided <laughs> to pick up painting and, and I stuck ever since yeah I, I haven't stopped since since I pick up the brush yeah, and my, my work is also very figurative and a lot of figures uh, not as colorful as Marcella's <laughs> or not and also definitely not as big as Marcella's like her paintings are ginormous you're fantastic too though don't <laughs> doubt yourself yeah I love the new skateboard you did yeah yeah that's yeah. that that one's gotten a lot of attention a lot of people are, hey, I want to buy it. I want to buy it. I'm like, yeah, let's finish it first. Amazing. <laughs> I have a great track record of finishing all. <laughs> well, we'll get yeah. to monetization at some point. But no, that's beautiful. And um, yeah, I love your work too, Jair. It's Thanks. very uh, visceral. Both of you guys, it's like it jumps out at you. And we had a painter on the show a few months ago, end of last year, uh, named Jeremy Hoffeld. Um, and we talked a lot about like painting and sharing your art on social and like, I just, it's such a beautiful, like, I'm so glad that I follow all of you guys because it's so much better opening my phone to see your work instead of like, you know, a friend, their brunch plate. Or so, you know, like it's yeah. I so much more enjoy. <laughs> just random um, Instagram food. <laughs> just random food. I'd much rather see your uh, brushstrokes. So um, thank you for sharing your art. And and Jair, I really, I think, I think a lot of people probably can identify with 
that feeling that you alluded to of like yeah kind of the complacency right of like nine to five world and um i have a big tech job nine to five and um i also make films i write we do the show um i can and can't stop doing things and um so mm -hmm. i i totally identify that and i think that's just as worthy of a motivation or an inspiration you know I think you have the Marcellos who are like born to hold a brush and like they'll never do anything yeah. else because that's what they're supposed to do. But I also appreciate your kind of alternative method of like wanting to find more fulfillment. I think that's totally valid. Yeah, I definitely took a while to figure out what I what I wanted to do, which is painting. Marcella got it from the beginning. This is my yeah, I'm cool with this. It sounds there... like she had a class, though, that really inspired that, you know. So uh, did you have any art classes in, in high school or anything uh, that maybe had inspired really. you? It's uh, really Columbia. interesting. And it kind of, yeah, it's really interesting. It kind of shows, you know, how powerful just a single art class can be for young students, you know. Yeah, yeah. When I, when I was in high school, I'm from Colombia. When I was in high school, we had art classes, but there weren't really any art things, like, there was just a teacher there sitting talking about some artists sure and mostly writers <laughs> to be honest and we took that class as in well hey we don't have to be in class totally this really doesn't count so, <laughs> study hall <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's so it's really funny just to like um to to go further into that, um, in high school, that class was just so uh, monumental to me. But then when I went to college, I tried to take an art class, even though I went to like a state school. Um, and it, it's funny how different the program was. Uh, I was so used to, I was, I was used to doing eight hour figure drawing classes, like in high school. And when I went to college to a, a state school, they were having me draw line drawings of boxes. And I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, wow. like I'm, I'm way beyond this like i don't i don't want to do this again um so like i just don't think it you know it, just, it varies it really varies like the quality of the education varies on the school um and i think the the school that i went to in high school was much more academic uh than like the state school i went to so it's it's really a huge difference yeah I, i've never had formal education in painting or, or art really but one of the good things of teaching yourself is just like that trail of like finding things out for yourself. Yeah, that is totally. just amazing. Learning by mistake is, is the best oh, teacher, yeah. honestly. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Do you guys have like some favorite pieces or series that where you were really clicked for you as a painter? Um, I think for me, when I really started finding my voice was last year when quarantine started. Um, I really started to think about um, light and color and uh, color theory. Um, and I, I feel like those explorations for me uh, really helped build a foundation for what I'm working on this year, which is uh, more heavily inspired by cinema and cinema lighting. Um, and like last year I was doing a lot of figure painting, but really sort of depending on a color wheel to make my decisions on skin tones and backgrounds and things like that. 
But this year with some more education and like some more research, I was able to um, really start to hone in on, on how I photograph my models um, and understanding that I could actually make those decisions like while I'm photographing rather than after the fact. Um, so it really helped me develop, uh, you know, a better color palette, more realistic color palette um, based on just like lighting my model better. Um, so that's just another thing that's just like, you know, education, like last year, it was just definitely more of a, a guessing game for me. And then this year, it's more like, okay, I can actually plan this out and make it more impactful, like from the get go. That's awesome. So I think uh, to answer your question more directly, I really like the series that I'm working on this year. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. No, that, that's uh, super interesting. And um, I, I mean, there is a progression, you know, I think like most really great artists, like there's, you know, you get either the technique builds and then you find that inspiration. It's almost like if it, you might have been particularly close to, like you said, you were using the color wheel, like the technical aspect is like the foundation and then you get more and more comfortable in the medium and you start yeah. to make some distance. That's your own exploration. And uh, that's really fantastic. Uh, that's It must mean that you're coming into this whole new level of creation. So uh, cheers. <laughs> I'm Thank so you. glad you're Definitely. finding that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite clear on your most recent stuff too by the way it's very very good <laughs> thank you yeah for me uh I, it's not really a series but definitely the last three or four paintings that i've done uh i really think like every time with these four paintings every time i've done i finish one i feel like oh this is the best that i've done and then I do the other one. Oh, this is the best that I've done. <laughs> and I, I think I think it is just all my work in, in painting in oils that's just like finally coming to fruition. I, I pick up oils when the quarantine happened. Like as soon as I as we got the stay home order, I went to Jerry's, I bought a bunch of oils and <laughs> brushes, and then I was like Stack oh, up. Yeah. You gotta try it now. So I, I practiced during the the quarantine and it's finally paying off. Yeah. So absolutely. Congrats That's on amazing. that too. Thank you. <laughs> I uh I wanted to mention real quick, um uh just this came to mind last night. I don't know if either of you have seen the movie or you, Bob, um Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I don't think I have, no. Oh, I think man. I've saw I've seen the it is so good i saw it in theaters when it came out and i just watched it again last night and i just totally fell in love with it all over again um but it's i think both of you would really really appreciate it it's it's about portrait painting and the human figure and um i don't want to spill much more but um i think yeah everything you're describing especially cinema lighting mm -hmm. like that this film is just like so gorgeously shot and a lot of the scenes are lit with candlelight and Ooh. it's just really, really beautiful stuff. So um, yeah. check it out. I might find some really great inspiration there. I love it. We were watching afterwards. We were watching interviews with the director and stuff, just learning more about her because she's amazing. She's a French director. And um, they were like playing back some scenes from the movie and 
Kaylee, my partner, and I were watching it, and we we're like even just playing the scenes after we just watched it. I was like, I could just watch the whole movie over again right now. Like, yeah. That's how that's how pretty it is. That's really awesome. Gorgeous. I'm yeah. I'm always looking for like movies that I can watch. Like Friday nights, I have a ritual where um, I usually uh, like spend time with uh, our two best friends that are in our quarantine bubble. And we watch old horror films, um, like nice. Dario Argento era uh, horror films, because they were lit so brightly with color gels. All the sets are incredible. Um, like it was just an era of film that was is just so perfect to me. Totally. Um, and that's where most of my work is inspired from, is just by those beautiful, colorful sets, like in Suspiria and in Tenebre, like those beautiful colors that he uses um, to not only like represent like the sets and, and the environment, but also the colors he associates to the characters. Like, um, you know, anything red is evil or anything yellow is innocent and stuff like that. Um, like, I just think he does such a great job, um, you know, really, capturing all the color schemes in that in those films so i will add that onto my list and i'll watch it next friday <laughs> cool awesome that's there great was i some love innovation that. even back then um like what what era specifically Marcella? it's it's the the giallo period of films of horror films um dario agento was one of the pioneers but there are a lot of really great like even japanese noir films are incredible like beautiful color schemes like violets and reds put together um there are even some very weird like japanese horror films that are all like just monochrome in like gray and black and things like that and it's just they're just beautiful films like really well done i love that love it i um i watched a couple of artists films recently as well not to be too nerdy but to uh <laughs> make sure i was in the right mindset and one of them was about the basquiat documentary mm-hmm. and i've always like seen his work but i never really learned about him and um he was a fascinating person who um you know they say like neo-expressionist he was reacting to minimalism and like really surface level art he just like put all of his mind like super cerebral everything like really busy really bright and just really powerful all on the uh, canvas and um, he started actually kind of relevant to it looks like some of Jair's background he started doing like street work um, Mm -hmm. primarily and like graffiti but also like he would write things as uh, his name was Samo first Mm of like he would write like poetry and like instead of in the 70s and 80s in New York the graffiti scene was all about um, like tagging your name and like getting your Mm -hmm. name out there and he was like he was putting like really weird little like lines of poetry that would make people think and like riddles and things like that and uh, he's he's just great there's just so many it it seems like um, to make this even more relevant to what you guys are doing like all of these Kind of artist movements, whether it's film or um, visual art, um, there's always like a reaction to the previous. Like mm-hmm. that, that seems to be how the great movements really start. Is there's some stagnation, and uh, and some kind of frustration <laughs> arises out of that. Um, that that kind of leads to innovation into this new way of expressing. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's also another film that comes to mind when, when thinking of that, um, another documentary on Yayoi Kusuma. Um, she was really the pioneer of, of so many different art movements, but she was never really gri- given credit for it. Um, I believe uh, Andy Warhol stole a lot of her ideas 
<laughs> like when oh, wow. he was really really wow. popular because he was you know when she came to uh new york from japan you know she was a woman in a male dominated you know art scene and she had struggled for so long to get anyone to even look at her work um and she would do these incredibly innovative things like she was the first person in new york to do soft sculpture and then like you know, a few months later, another male artist did soft sculpture and he got credit for starting that movement. And wow. same thing with, I think she had a um, uh, an exhibit with like this beautiful soft sculpture boat that she created. And then she took pictures of the boat and created wallpaper and just wallpapered an entire room with the boat in the center of it. And uh, I think at the next Andy Warhol exhibit, he did the same thing, but with a cow. Oh, um, wow. So it was, she was really like the spark of a lot of movements that happened in the 60s and the 70s, but was never really, you know, given any of the, the limelight or the credit that she was hoping to get um, at the time. Like now we know, and she's amazing. Um, but back then, it, it was really a struggle for women to have any sort of, um, you know, credit for the things that they were doing you know, in the art world because it was so male dominated. And um, like, that's what inspires a lot of my art and a lot of the reasons why, like we do what we do with unknown for marginalized groups, um, you know, being able to to showcase women artists or people of color, things like that, to really give them the the, the spotlight that they need. That's amazing. Love that. That's awesome. We're gonna have a really great yeah. list of film wrecks by the end of yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> watch too many movies, sorry guys. I love it. No, that's wonderful. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you shared that. And that's a good segue into, you know, talk to us about unknown. Talk to us about, you know, you guys shared with me the, um, was it really, yeah, it was too poor for canopy is what, how it all yeah. started. But yeah, you guys yeah. told the story. Yeah. yeah. So it, too poor for canopy started because East was coming up, right? Uh, and I wanted to show something in East. And I heard East wasn't going to be a, a, like a normal East because COVID, you know? And then everybody went to just do it online. And this was requiring a lot from artists. Like you have to have a full-on setup, you have to have your cameras and the fee was pretty much the same fee, even though really you weren't gonna get the same eyes as you get in, in any other East, right? Tell me, tell me a bit, uh, build the context around East a little bit more, if you would, Jair. Like, yeah, so basically, East Austin Studio Tours, right? It's this kind it's of the gigantic, biggest, yeah. yeah, the biggest opportunity for for artists and the whole year to showcase their their work. It's if you are in East, you you will start coming out. If you don't get to get into East, is it's hard. It's, you gotta fight it in order to to show you your work. So East is is a great platform, but it is also at least this past year was was tough to to get in because, I mean, for example, I don't have any any camera setups. I don't have all the gear that I, I needed to in order to set up a, a, like a virtual studio for people to see my work. They required a digitization. Exactly. I don't even have a, a place that I can set up everything to show every piece that I had. So because of that, I, I decided, well, screw it. <laughs> I'm going to do it in my front yard and I'm just going to 
I, at first I thought, hey, I'm going to put some paintings in my front yard by the fence and then people can walk and see it, right? And then I realized my front yard was a little bit too big for the amount of paintings that I had. And then I reached out to Marcella because Marcella's paintings are huge and <laughs> amazing. So I was like, hey, you want to show an ist in my front yard? But I'm doing it like on my own. I'm not with with the um with big medium who i believe are the ones who organize east and then she was like yeah she just jumped in right right on and then we start talking about it and we realized we we needed more people because i had we had more space and and we needed like if we had the space, why not to open it for people who needed the space? There were too many artists who lost commissions, lost work, lost the, the opportunity to show, and they were struggling financially. So at that point, we're like, yeah, let's let's make a call. And Marcella took the call and, and she made it happen while me and Dan, Marcella's partner, we're here building all the walls and figuring everything out. And yeah, it happened. It's amazing. I love it that was... you just couldn't fit your work in your yard. And you said, I know someone with really big canvases. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll start that way. It's like, I could solve this problem. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. And it's continued. So that was towards the end of the year? That was like second half of the year last year? Yeah, that was November yeah. of last year. Well, actually we were talking probably like a little before, uh, at the end of October, if I'm not I thought I remember us talking a little bit about it over the summer because I think they announced um, that mm, it was gonna be right. like in August or something like that. And Yeah, uh, yeah. when, when yeah, they announced yeah <laughs> when they announced it that it was going to be virtual that's when everything happened i was like yeah this is not going to be great for most artists yeah yeah what was the and, reception i mean how how uh how many artists initially showed with you guys and kind of how's that community been getting built want to take yes. this one Michelle? Yeah, I could take that one. Um, we had about 25 or 26 artists show, and that's wow. in between, um, you know, showing a piece on the walls that we had built or doing live painting or painting a barrel for the sponsors. Um, we had a lot of opportunity for artists to be vendors as well. Um, and uh, the community we've built from that um, has really uh, created a, like a foundation for us for all of our events because we know you know, which artists like to do what and um, whether they have like a financial need. Um, you know, Too Poor for Canopy helped us like really see, um, you know, how artists were struggling. Um, you know, after the show, you know, we had artists come up to us saying like, hey, we were able to finally pay our rent and our utilities. Like I have food, money for food, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and the reception, I think, by the public was was huge. They didn't think anything was going to happen, you know, during during that weekend. And we had about 800 people come through the event. Um, we had a line out down the street from Jair's house. And, you know, we were talking about getting security. Like, <laughs> we were like, yeah, that's incredible. Like, you know, um, so it was it was an incredible response by the public who seemed very, um, 
you know, like they wanted to go out and see something. Um, and they wanted that taste of old Austin, like the old studio tours where you could walk from one studio to another or one house to another. Um, and I, I really think that that really like set the event apart from what was happening virtually. Yeah. And we, we had so much art yeah. in my front yard and backyard that people didn't even realize that was a house that there was a house right there. <laughs> like some people were talking to me and, and they were saying, hey, I've never seen this space. This is so great. And I was like, yeah, I live here. They were like, oh, this is, oh, this this is, is your, your house? house? Okay. This is a house? Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and, and we had we had a lot of support from the community. Like a lot of our walls came, came from um, this other group called uh, Polis who right now are kind of dormant but they 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 were great they offer a lot of spaces for for people uh we had music live music that came from from a group of friends called uh, lady shops if i'm not wrong right yeah lady chops and uh yeah. their friend andrew savage who also came on last minute he just wanted to, to play his guitar he was just like i'll, I'll come through and play no exactly. problem um, yeah. We also had two G two DJs, so we did live music on Saturday, and then we had two DJs on Sunday, um, and they were awesome too. They just came through. A lot of the artists who helped us make the show what it was like came through and just did it for free. You know, usually mm -hmm. we would want to work these artists, but since it was a show that was basically built off of like, hey, we're all struggling, let's just do something and have fun. Um, it was really awesome to see everyone just come together and do that. Yeah. Yeah, and the Anand Collective was pretty much born from all the planning in this for this event. While we were planning it, there was a point where we were like, hey, we should just build a collective. And that was it. Then the collective happened. This was such an organic, creative process that came together so naturally that the momentum was like unavoidable for you guys, basically. Mm -hmm. what I'm hearing, yeah. yeah. It reminds me of a few things, and most of those types of events I've gone to because Ryan invited me, because he <laughs> was showing in them or playing music or doing installations. So um, this sounds like we'll be at the next one. I mean, it's that kind of vibe. I, Ryan's mm -hmm. done a lot of work with. I'll I'll be his uh, his biographer here. He's done a lot of work with Exploded Drawing. Um, if you guys are familiar, Art Island. Um, oh yeah, Art Island for sure. Art Island, yeah, they they also are huge friends of ours. I love it. Yeah, I uh, I was gonna say I I'm I just I'm so happy to hear your guys' story because that kind of DIY let's get together and make something happen attitude is like been core to my artistic practice ever since I can remember and. I've been fortunate enough to be involved in a few of those kind of operations over the last 10 years. And um, it's just always so exciting um, when it happens, because for me, it's like where I find just an incredible amount of passion come through people, um, especially when you have a group of people who are, yeah, willing to just put the work in to make something happen regardless if we're going to get paid or not. But it's more of like, let's just put our brains and our minds together and like make shit happen. And we know that it will have a ripple effect. Like we know that it's going to help 
stimulate something for people in some way. We're not really sure what that looks like yet, but we're just going to keep going after it. And uh, I just, I love that so much. So really, really exciting to hear your guys' uh, story through that. Um, yeah, I I was a part of like a DJ collective in Chicago in, in uh, college. That was like the first time that that happened for me. And it was really, you know, I was in, I was in college, so it was, uh, it was just extra fun because it was just about throwing parties and having a good time, you know, renting out warehouse spaces and just making it happen. Um, and then getting to Austin about 10 years ago, I met uh, the Exploded Drawing Group and like, man, like serious DIY aesthetic. Like, I mean, when we first started back then, it was, uh, we were in Baby Blue Studios, which was like this, like, you know, very small DIY recording studio on East 12th Street, uh, kind of near 12th and Chacon. I don't remember exactly. Actually, a little bit closer to yeah. 35, but, um, but uh, yeah, studio. just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill's old studio, um, Bill, Bill Baird, right? Bill Baird. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And um, just, yeah, like uh, Ben and Andrew, the founders of that have this, and they've carried this attitude since day one. I mean, Ben grew up, I listened to an interview with him recently, uh, Butcher Bear, um, about growing up going to Fugazi shows and how it was just like the 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 uh, inclusive um, uh, mentality of like we don't they don't you know their shows were cheap like they never pumped up their ticket prices at all they always wanted to keep the tickets really really cheap because they wanted everyone to be able to you know access it and they didn't want money to be something stopping people from coming to experience the show you know so ben and um and andrew have been running exploded drawing for over 10 years now and they're you know have been able to pull uh you know city funding they've got grant funding and everything they've grown so much and their shows have always been five dollars and they've always said it will always be five dollars it will never be more than five dollars because the most important part is that People can just come and experience this. Um, they want it to be completely accessible to everyone, you know. So um, just love that mindset. And then I was fortunate enough to be one of the founders of Art Island, too. Um, I met Maria when she first moved to Austin. I think you guys know Maria, yeah. right? Yeah, cool. I know Maria. Yeah. yeah. So I, I met Maria when, we first, when she first moved to Austin and um, through some friends and she... I, I, she showed me kind of her backyard space on the river there. And uh, I, the minute I saw it, I was like, we have to throw this parties is... here. Like this is, this space is just too incredible. There's like so much we could do with this, with this land. And it kind of, you know, started there. And, um, and it's been amazing to be a part of that too. Again, just another group of people who like are, our core our island team like doesn't really get paid at all. We've never really gotten paid for any of our events, but we have so much fun doing it. And there's so much passion that comes out of it. And uh, so much like I, you can just see how inspiring it is for others to just come and hang out and experience something like that. And so that is what makes it worth it all every time for me, you know, it's and I, I guess I'm I'm fortunate too because my in my professional career I've I've been able to uh, sustain myself financially so I, I I that's something I am really grateful for that I'm I am able to maybe do these events 
and not be so concerned about making making money off of it but I totally prefer that because for me like that's where the passion really is just like just like really powerful you know it's like when when money isn't necessarily attached to it and it's just like we're we're just doing this because we love doing it and that's it and we just want to bring people together and have a good time you know so I uh, I love um, I love your story. It's very reminiscent of uh, uh, yeah a few groups of people I've been involved with, and it's your just your entire always... career. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. and not, I, not yeah. to be uh, not to be too LinkedIn-y here, but those events also expand your own network. You meet it other totally. creatives, you meet mm -hmm. other collaborators, and say, "Oh wow, you're working on this. I Absolutely. have this idea, and I've been meaning to." Fine. Someone who focuses on portraiture of women figures. How yeah. <laughs> useful. Yeah. yeah, I I actually recently sold the piece and I went to deliver it. And so the guy opens the door to take to take the picture. And there was a picture of a friend, like a painting of a friend there. And I was like, oh, is that Kyle's? And he was like, yeah, I met him in Two Poor for Canopy. That's amazing. That's so good. Isn't that yeah. cool? Isn't that a cool yeah. feeling? Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. It, it was amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. That's beautiful. Um, you know, I think there's also I, the other thing I was going to add to that was there's also this I think very real hunger um, for those kinds of events for a variety of reasons. One is quarantine. I think everybody's cabin fever a little bit. And hopefully we can all safely go out again soon. I saw UCL just announced that they're going to be doing something in October, which is kind of crazy. But, um, you know, I think I think in the increasing digitization, and that's exactly kind of what Jair was talking about with East itself. East went digital. And so you guys said, no, well, no, we need an analog thing. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as society becomes more technological, becomes more computer screen, Zoom, social media connections. Um, we got to have somewhere we can go and, yeah. um, you know, experience the art. And, you know, one, one thing, too, I love about Ryan's pieces is his uh, art is also called like immersive mm -hmm. um, or like you walk in through the environment. And, um, yeah, it's very it's very useful. It's very uh, different than um you know seeing it in another way so i think there's yeah. just so many reasons to support uh the kind of work i think guys do. definitely at least for two poor for canopy the hardest part of the whole event wasn't related to getting artists or getting people or or like making the event happen the hardest part was to monitor everyone to keep their mask on that, that was pretty much yeah, yeah, yeah that we was were pretty the much mask my, police the whole Good, time yeah. like hey you put that mask on mask on mask on like I, I would walk around all of the place telling people hey mask on mask on even if they had it on mm -hmm. and sometimes sometimes i would walk around and people would see me and they would check if they had their mask on but they already because you were so on. yeah they had their mask on but they will like double check oh yeah it's there yeah that's great that's awesome. Because we are Texas, but we are also Austin. Yeah. <laughs> so any listeners outside of this immediate community, Texas is very red and um, Austin is very piercingly blue. So yep. 
Um, so I'm, we, uh, we, dig, we I'm live glad, in that dichotomy. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it, um, Jair. And I was wondering what um, I, I that actually was a question. It was like how. Uh, did that affect your event? Because I know with Art Island, it has affected our events dramatically. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we basically just put everything on pause for almost an entire year. And we did one event back in October. Uh, super, yeah, super. Actually, I was in that one. Cool. I was live painting in that one. <laughs> nice. Awesome. That was the, I, I unfortunately was not, uh, was not at that one. Um, but uh it was, you know, it was a challenge just trying to pull that together mm-hmm. and to make sure that we were doing it in a safe, responsible way. And it was really scary, honestly, you know, because it, yeah. we knew the ramifications that could possibly happen if, if we weren't really safe and really paying attention and really on top of it. So I, I'm glad to hear it. And um, and yeah, I'm curious yeah. how that has affected, you know, plans ever since that moment, too. So we've never had a, a, an event pre-COVID. This was born because of COVID. Totally. Like all the hardship. But that event was actually a big event for me because that was the one that showed me, hey, it can be done. Totally. can be done if you take the precautions. And yeah, we had 800 people plus, but we never had 800 people at the same time in the same place, right? So we right. always have people coming and going and we had somebody in, in the door checking and it was like one comes in, one goes out and there was totally. enough space good, to, good, good. to move around. Which is how East was, by the way, right? Like you said earlier, the the kind of walkable stroll through the galleries, that's the whole vibe. So that yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. We also like the whole group uh, of organizers was kind of walking through, making sure like that we had masks on, but also like I remember grabbing like the DJ microphone a couple times, telling people to move to the back. Like if there wasn't enough people in the back of the house, like uh, trying to get groups of people who were just standing around, like having a drink or talking about the art to start moving towards the back of the house so they could, you know, get the full experience and then um, come out the exit. So it was really like, we were just trying to make sure that people were moving through the space rather than just, you know, standing in one spot. And we'd be totally. like hyper aware of, you know, where they were and how long they were staying there and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I'll say probably 90% of my time was walking around telling people, hey, don't do that. Hey, keep your mask on. <laughs> and, well, I mean, that's what we signed up for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I'm, I'm glad my wife was here and she just took my table and she was like selling the art and I was just walking around and every once in a while I come back and she was like, hey, that's the artist. That's the artist. <laughs> the one Love who's it. yelling at you, he's the, the artist. The enforcer. <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking of uh, other events that you guys have done, um, you did the art drop uh, yeah. last month, which was incredible. And I think another like innovative way to support these artists and um, really generate a lot of enthusiasm and excitement. I, you know, I watched um, via your Instagram, you guys had this um, really cool kind of scavenger hunt style um, experiment. Tell us about the art drop from last month. Yeah, so uh, the art drop was, was really interesting because it was just a way where we could try to make art more accessible 
Um, one of the things that, that I normally hear, at least about my work, is that it's um, you know, too expensive or you know, people don't have the money to buy it. So we wanted to um, create an event for the public where they could discover a new artist you know, and um, just become part of that journey with that artist. Um, so what we tried to do was just get you know, another big group of artists together. We added some people from Two Poor for Canopy, but then also added some emerging artists. And the idea was to have like some artists with like very big followings on Instagram, like Jeff Skelly, who has over 10K followers and try to pair them with, you know, uh, an artist that doesn't have too much of a following, like um, Chris Ancarno, who is uh, an amazing illustrator, but only has like 200 followers on Instagram. Um, so we tried to mix these people together and um, create that. this like, you know, like if you're if you love Jeff Skelly's work, you're going to want to participate in the scavenger hunt, and you might find Chris's work, you know, instead and discover this new artist that maybe you you never heard of before, but you really like their work. Um, so it was really sort of trying to um, help emerging artists in Austin who no one really knows about by pairing them up with artists that everybody knows about and um, just creating this this drop, which, you know, it, it was scavenger hunt style, but we didn't want to like hide the boxes too much. We wanted people to find them. We wanted people to, to get these boxes and to figure out who the artists were and follow their new artists and get super hype about it. Um, yeah. So we were like super stoked about, you know, the idea. We had these custom boxes made. We had these artists picked out. Um, and then uh, we we just grabbed a couple of locations. Um, we, we used a lot of locations that were murals by artists who were participating. Um, so we tried to sort of pair like different boxes with different murals that people are very familiar with. Um, we tried to keep the locations fun, but very Austin. Uh, I remember one box, like one guy, it was like in a statue in front of the Stevie Ray Vaughan statue in, the, in Zilker Park and he literally ran to it on the on the running trails to, to catch it and he got an instagram video of him just like huffing and puffing after running to get it. <laughs> nice. um and it was it was just there a, was a lot of energy and there yeah, was a so lot of people energy. were so excited about getting the boxes and like, yeah it was boxes all really high getting, quality pieces yeah i mean boxes were getting picked up after like seconds of us dropping it and i remember the very last boxes that were dropped um they the the person who was dropping the volunteer dropped them but had was taking an uber and was being followed in his uber by people who wanted the box oh my God. <laughs> i i was being followed as well yeah wow. yeah i had to like kind of creepy but that's crazy, really cool <laughs> it was to... it was really insane like seeing insane. the amount of cars in certain areas where people were guessing that boxes were going to be like there were people searching the dimension uh sculpture yeah. gallery they, like they got it right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to drop at, at that location and I had to not drop there because there were already people looking for the box. Yeah. Uh, wow. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Backup location. That's uh that's incredible. It sounds amazingly successful then. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say so. <laughs> one one more thing, we didn't want to hide the boxes, especially that day, because that day was going to rain. Yeah. And these both boxes are cardboard, so they will just disintegrate in, in the rain. And we got a, a couple of complaints from people from people that and was they were too, too easy. easy to find. Yeah. 
but we, yeah. we wanted it to be that way. We we didn't want it to be so hard to find. Like you had to solve a riddle to find someone's box. Exactly. We wanted yeah. people to actually like go up and and find it easily. That was the whole point, you know, to be yeah. able to find a new artist. And totally. if anything, at least for me, I was worried that maybe nobody was gonna go find the yeah. boxes. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, but we have like thousands of people. Interesting. Quite the opposite. It was, it was it, exciting. It was I was we watching all your stories of it. You were yeah, sharing we, people who found them. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Like we had at least three thousand people following our stories. Like I would mm -hmm. post a picture, and like six hundred people would pop up within the first second of looking yeah. at the story. Crazy. It was the amount of of like response that we got was so overwhelming. Like it, it was totally unexpected. Yeah, definitely. We had probably. 95% of all our feedback was that this was amazing. We love it. Please do it again. There was some 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 feedback that was like, hey, make it harder next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. I love yeah. the collaborative aspect. I love that you guys were building up the lesser known people too. Um, yeah, because really that, awesome. That's so that's, unfortunate that, you know, in some ways, like the quantification of followers is like, a quality check on people like they're like oh this guy has a lot of followers so he must be really good and it's like that has very little to do actually exactly <laughs> with their talent so that's really cool exactly yeah and and there is so much art in austin there is a lot of great artists who are poorly known like they just don't have the following like we know it because we are in the community and we know artists and through them, we connect to other artists, and that's how we know of what's what what is like the art scene in Austin, and it is huge and it is full of talent. But if you are not emerged in the art scene in Austin and you are like and somebody looking from the outside, you wouldn't see it. You will miss ninety percent of, of all the great artists who are here. You will see probably same ten. 12 artists who, who are getting a lot of the commissions for murals yeah but there is there is so much more there is so yeah, much let's, more let's talk about that i'm glad you brought that up jair i mean i think just for a larger context too like this town is changing um mm -hmm. very very rapidly um my wife's college roommate is from massachusetts and she moved to austin in 2007 because she googled best city in America yeah. and it's at Austin, Texas. And that was in 2007. That's why Daphne moved here. So we've been at the top of those lists um, for over a decade. And um, you know, th that has in many ways accelerated the change that the city's gone through. South by Southwest was like 10 bars in 1989 you know, and now it's, I think it has the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest festival. Um, mm. do, or at least one, the, I believe the record was most musicians playing in like okay. one city. And it was over a thousand different venues playing music, mm -hmm. um, you know, over the last few years. And um, so it's just had this, gone through this rapid growth, Californians, which we love them. They're great. California, it's beautiful. <laughs> No, no shade to my Californian Austin immigrants, um, but it is changing. You know, Joe Rogan, Elon Musk, like 
a whole this city is just rapidly changing and so we, one thing we had talked about was how you guys are trying to kind of save that soul of austin in a sense and like really focus on the unknown artists the unknown collective um i think it's super valuable so thank you guys on, on behalf of this austinite and uh <laughs> the local creative community um i think it's really beautiful the work you guys are doing thank you thank you yeah it's it's really um i feel like it's so important to be able to showcase the the different types of talent that we have here because it really like just a wealth of different artists that do different things that have different special like you know specialties um it's not just painters it's immersive artists it's musicians it's everything um so when people look into austin they see this certain image but i don't think that they they get really the full picture of the type of people that you know exist in the community yeah absolutely yeah and and we have this rich history right we have saint willie nelson mm -hmm. and we've been weird and live music capital for so many decades um but um you know i think in some way and this change is inevitable by the way this yeah. is actually like we're talking about creativity today but we're a spiritual podcast we talk about uh taoism and buddhism and change mm -hmm. and things like that and you know that is inevitable in some ways um but you know like i think it's kind of sad that like a lot of artists in austin are moving to marfa or san antonio or um even outside of austin there's a there's a cool mu musician community in Wimberley area, Lockhart area, some of our buddies live over there. Um, so there is kind of a, there's a migration in and kind of an exodus in some ways. And so I really yeah. hope that um, we are able to retain uh, these creatives over time. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I think a big a big part of that is the lack of opportunity to show. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and also like there's the big cities like you know Houston and Dallas and uh, San Antonio. They have like the the, the oil money to, to do museums and galleries and to pay for art, like um, to really get that gallery quality art, um, you know, that's been passed down from generation to generation in different collections. Um, and Austin is, is still very new in that. Um, and we really have like such a strong like mural culture and uh, mm -hmm. street art culture. Um, it doesn't really have, or at least from what I've seen, um, you know, that same sort of like museum quality, like contemporary art scene that's a little bit more like high end. Um, and I think there are some spaces in Austin that are trying to get there, like West Chelsea, you know, uh, Warden Art Gallery. And then I think SoCo Modern is opening up on, on South Congress. So there are these galleries that are starting to like come into Austin and are starting to see the local talent. Um, and wanting to showcase it. So that's really promising and, and exciting for a lot of artists in the community. Um, because I do really think that there are like several groups of like, um, you know, like Hope Campaign and, and things like that, that they have like a set list of artists and they're like, these are the artists who are gonna get our opportunities. Um, so it doesn't really give other artists the ability to, to sort of penetrate that group and to be able to have the same opportunity to showcase their work on such a large scale like they do. So um, I think it's going to be an interesting change, like as more people come into Austin and move to Austin, you know, I think a lot of, uh, you know, uh, gallery managers or people who do have these collections of art, um, you know, are going to start coming in and, and starting to create that culture here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is definitely not a, a group or organization in Austin that is actively reaching out to the unknown artists. 
and that's the space that we want to fill in we want to bring up all the great talent that is just not being looked at right now that's amazing i love it and i think there will always be a place for what you guys are doing and no matter how far the city grows like there will always be a space for you guys to be doing exactly what you're doing so yeah. it's awesome and i love it and keep going high five <laughs> and how and how can we support you know for for both me and ryan and the team but you know for our listeners like how do we support local artists buying their prints sharing their art on social mm -hmm. um giving them opportunities when we have them definitely like those things and and you know like we we do a lot of our work on instagram because instagram is really like an art central it's it's where all the galleries are it's where all the collectors are they want to see you know your work on instagram um there really isn't another platform that does that you know um just yet so um being able to you know follow your favorite artists share their work tell your friends about it um you know try to trick the algorithm help them get you know more yeah. followers likes click that save button <laughs> Yeah, click the save button, click the share button, and then click the like button. Do the other stuff first. Um, but yeah, like I, I think being able to share their work, um, being buying their work, you know, if you like their work, buy a print. You know, prints are like ten to fifteen dollars, sometimes twenty dollars if it's good paper quality. You know, it's it's not a huge you know investment that you're making. You're not buying an original piece of art, but it still helps that artist. You know, buy groceries, pay utilities, pay utilities, pay for their their next canvas you know there's a lot of artists who who go you know they need to sell something in order to create something else um so it's it's really important for you know for us to support them in that yeah. way um and i can't think of a better way to do it than to buy their art you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's definitely that's definitely it i since i decided to be an artist like the, the, the from the moment that i said hey i'm gonna call myself an artist which took me a while but <laughs> I got there. Uh, <laughs> I have pretty much. I have my 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 nine to five job, and that's happening. But I have my art, and all the money that I make from my art goes back into my art, like mm -hmm. hundred percent of what I make. If I sell the painting, I use that money to buy more canvases, to buy more 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 paintings, and to buy art from other artists. Mm -hmm. That's a, a lot of things, like a, a big chunk of my money goes to just buy more prints from, from friends, from artists that I like around here. So definitely, if you buy somebody's art, you not only will be helping that person, you probably will be helping also the next artist or or, or the art communities or, or the people who are selling art supplies here in, in Austin. So it's, that unseen ripple effect is real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah that's yeah. super cool those are great answers and it will start here in the community tell me um tell me about artists in particular any advice to <clears throat> young creatives that might be filled with if they're a young artist self-doubt and self-criticism um or, i you want to go first jayer well <laughs> y'all are yeah. both like uh, <laughs> Probably, yeah, because I'm the newest one, so I don't know mm -hmm. as much as you do. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably will just say whatever I'm planning to say already. So <laughs> for me, really, is just make mistakes, make them fast. Yeah, that's that's really all, all how I've, I've evolved 
as a painter, just making mistakes and making them fast. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, I would also say do the art that you love every day. Like, even if it's 15 minutes, uh, if it's a sketch, if it's a full on painting, every day practice um, because you know, that's the only way you get better. You can't just create one painting a year and then expect to, you know, continue excelling. You know, I paint every single day um, and I have painted every day for the past like three years since I decided to do, you know, do art full time. So it's it's so important to get the practice in because you're not going to get better overnight. You know, you're going to get better gradually with every piece that you do and um, you're going to find your voice in every piece and it'll lead you to something different. Um, and then uh, I think the, the biggest piece of advice, you know, I've gotten growing up in into the like art academy sort of thing is don't be afraid of people not liking your work. Like, cause their feedback could give you something valuable, even if it's, you know, it, it could be like, I just don't particularly like this thing or, you know, accept all constructive criticism people are either going to love it or hate it, you know, and that's just the, the way it is, you know, it's, it's not everyone's going to love the work. Um, and to just be okay with that, you're, you're going to have to move forward and don't let it discourage you from creating the work that you feel passionate about, because it could really, you know, be the foundation of a new movement, you know, who knows? So I would, I would definitely say, don't be, don't be afraid of that. Like I, when I was 15, I had my, my teachers rip up my drawings and tell me they were crap and to start over, you know, that's the, <laughs> you have to have very uh, thick skin and they did that because they knew that I could do better and I did do better. And, and that's the mentality you have to have is like, if somebody doesn't like your work, then whatever, the next thing I'll do is going to be better for me, you know, as an artist. So yeah. Real, real wisdom. <laughs> really sitting with that really appreciate that marcella um one, we talk one of my favorite philosophers is a greek philosopher named epictetus and he has a line that's something like he who laughs at himself never runs out of things to laugh at <laughs> you know i like that but being very like yeah you know taking criticism and being very open <clears throat> to those kinds of um you know the inevitable negative feedback that anyone's going to get when they're creative yeah. um, and, yeah. and learning from that, making mistakes quickly, as Jair says, um, really beautiful. Thank you guys so much. Um, and, and also even the everyday thing I think is really important. A lot of people romanticize inspiration, oh, which yeah. is another thing to talk yeah, about. That's not, that's not real. Touch on briefly. <laughs> that, is, that is biggest BS. Waiting inspiration. inspiration. If you are sitting down working, once yeah. you switch into it almost right is what it seems mm. like to me at least when i'm writing or, or working on a film it's like you're doing it you're building that routine and your mindset will shift when you enter mm -hmm. into that space if you're yeah. doing it correctly yeah yeah that's definitely true for me i have to be doing something in order to get ideas like i get ideas for my paintings while i'm painting another painting <laughs> that that's how it works and that's if, why you keep I'm, buying all this oil yeah if i'm not painting i probably wouldn't come up with any ideas mm. so it's definitely do things shot people take shots of people um see everybody else's art just practice practice and 
inspiration will come. Yeah. But it is it comes from work. You gotta put the work. Beautiful. Yeah. I um I agree with that. I also have like a, a little different process from Jair. Um just because like I I can I can think of a pose that I really like and I'm like in the shower. Uh, <laughs> laying in bed at night, like, you know, sure. when, when you start thinking about, you know, weird stuff at night, like right before you fall asleep, I'll be like, you know, I think that pose would look really good with this type of light or this color. <laughs> and then yeah. I'll just, I'll just keep thinking about it until like, I actually can execute it. Um, <laughs> it's You're kind of immersed. like a, almost an ob obsessive thing. Like uh, I'll be walking around doing something in the kitchen. Like, I wonder, you know, how the, these things will interact with one another. And then I just, I don't know. It just keeps going in my brain until something happens with it. <laughs> you're you're painting even when you're not painting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. One day we'll get to Marcel's level, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I I keep saying that. Okay? I know. One day. Just the OCD that comes That's with it. Bit. <laughs> right, right. Become neurotically creative. Yeah, exactly. But we I have think a... it's, uh, I think it's okay. really valuable, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with the kind of immersing yourself in it, you know, like any 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 passion or any hobby or anything that I've ever explored. Um, it always just becomes so much more accelerated when I really deeply immerse myself in it. You know, I commit to it every day and I'm you know, thinking about it even when I'm not doing it um, mm -hmm. and really immersing myself in it. So I think that's great advice. And um, yeah. Uh, even yeah. a mini goal like that, just to add to that too, I, like even like, a, like, I think you said 10 minutes or 15 minutes, mm -hmm. you know, if you just do that, what you'll often find is by the eighth minute, you're actually ready to write for 45 or, or work for another hour, you know, totally. and because you 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 switched into that whole scene that's totally different than what you were before. You can still stop at minute 11 to, you know, build that habitual muscle. But, um, you know, having like a micro goal instead of saying, like, I think a lot of people say, like, well, I'm going to work on my thing for an hour every day. And it's like, oh, that's a mental obstacle yeah. that can be more difficult so break yeah. it up into something that's a little bit more digestible and approachable so that you're able to keep that kind of unbroken chain yeah and i i think it's um it, you can even think of it in different ways like something that i need to work on um is sketching more i i rarely ever sketch i'm so focused on the finished product um because like i i like to have like a very large volume of work to to and I'm constantly thinking about what's next. Um, so, and it's all in my brain and I don't put it down on paper. <laughs> so um, even just like getting a sketchbook, if you're an artist who struggles with just, just writing down ideas or just sketching out an idea, um, just consciously like maybe buy yourself a mini sketchbook you put it in your pocket. And then if you wanna draw from life, you can go out to the park and draw from life. Or if you have something in your imagination, like some things surrealistic or things like that, you can just quickly, you know, put it down on this little sketchbook and just have it, you know, um, that's something that I need to work on for sure. Um, and I'm sure a lot of artists like that are, that are only focused on the finished product um, are, are the same way. Yeah, uh, I'm the same, but for me at least is I have, so many ideas, but I'm so slow on painting. It takes me a while <laughs> to finish a painting. So by the time that I finish a painting, I have like 10 ideas for another one. <laughs> and 
I need to start recording them because I'm sure I've forgotten a couple, if not mm -hmm. a lot. <laughs> but you'll get hit with 10 more tomorrow, so it's fine. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> you don't know. Like, this might be just like a one-time thing. <laughs> <laughs> it might shut off. Yeah. You're, now you're coming from fear and lack and <laughs> scarcity. Um, yeah. Last question, really, for you guys. Thanks so much. It's been a, it's been really great to to learn more about y'all's work and Unknown Collective. We have just a formulaic question. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about favorite films, so I'll count favorite films as well. But we like to ask favorite books. What what's a one, two, three, even books or films that um, you think people should know more about? Uh, so. Book-wise, um, I'm a big mystery, uh, crime and mystery person, or uh, fantasy as well. Um, so I really love The Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. Uh, it's like a 16 or 17 book series. Like, it's it's an enormous amount of, of books, a huge investment. Um, but it's about a wizard named Harry Dresden who works for a police department, and he solves supernatural crimes. Uh, and it's hilarious. It's a wonderful narration. Uh, the wizard is like super um, sarcastic and uh, really fun to like follow along with. Um, the books are easy to pick up because um, the author Jim Butcher takes the first couple of chapters to recap, you know, everything that happened in the last book. So you can easily pick one up after a couple of months and and you know get right back into it. Um, I think it's a great series. Uh, it really sort of like sucks you in, um, and it's really fun fun to read. Amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, books, there are so many, but really always I come back to, to pretty much any work from Gabriel Garcia Marquez, which is a Colombian writer. And it's just amazing. Like a lot of his magical realism. I grew up in a tiny town in Colombia and a lot of the magical realism that he wrote in books comes inspired by a lot of what happens in tiny towns in Colombia. So it, it feels a lot like reading a story of my childhood. So so it is it is very good. But that is personally for me. And also, if you want to learn Fantastic. about Colombia, that's a good place to start. That is mm -hmm. a great place to start. And from movies, I, I haven't seen movies in a while i've mainly watched uh uh tv series and there is this one uh the marvelous mrs Maisel. Maisel, yeah mm -hmm. really good it's it's hilarious she's so funny but if, <laughs> if you stop and look at it it has such a great composition like every like there is a frame every frame you can stop the frame and it could be an amazing painting. There are amazing compositions there. So I enjoy it's it. It's won a lot of Emmys for a reason. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And our friend Santiago recommended Marquez. Uh, oh, he's nice. who's Colombian as well. A hundred yeah. years of solitude. Right. Yeah. That, that's the, the, the biggest one. Well-known uh, book that he, he's written. Uh, there are a lot of, of, books there is one that's very interesting it's called uh chronicle of a death for it all mm. so 
like from the first couple of lines, it tells you the end of the book. It's like this mm. day he was going to die, or like this day was the day he got murdered. And then he just starts telling the story of how that happened. And it's like, it's so mind boggling. And he was talking, Garcia Marquez was talking about this book and, and he said, if I, if I pick up a mystery book like that, the first thing that I'm gonna do is like jump to the last pages to see if the guy died. <laughs> to read it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Why not just start with it? I like so that. I'm just starting with that and telling the story from there. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite a, a good read. So you're in Marcella, thank you so much. Uh, for joining us today at Beware House Show as the dogs signal the end of the episode. Um, follow these guys at underscore unknown collective. It's Jair and Marcella. They're working on fascinating soul resuscitation of Austin creatives. Um, so thank you guys so much. Thanks for coming. We will be, keep following you guys it's it's yes. uh it's so exciting so exciting so inspiring uh everything y'all are working on so thanks for sharing and, yeah. and also thanks for all that y'all are doing a quick thing uh we our collective is five people too so it's not just the two of us uh there is daniel marcella's partner there is felipe and there's leia shout out to the team yeah we got a good team we we work really well together and we make things happen <laughs> Wonderful. And maybe we'll get the more of you guys in the future. Maybe Definitely. later this year. We'll be in touch. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great Sunday. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye.